Genesis chapter number 4. thankful tonight for the opportunity to be here together, to open the Word of God together, and uh, to let God uh, speak to our hearts. Um, church, it's always a privilege to open the Word of God and uh, read it and let it uh, be used in our lives. Uh, church, I'm thankful I'm saved and ready for heaven. I tell you, I'm ready to go. How about you? I'm ready uh, for heaven, and um, I thank God for the promises in His Word uh, that we live by and that we apply to our lives. And uh, I'm thankful. Uh, the other day, we were I got to talking to someone about my testimony, and uh, my mind just went when I was 17 when Jesus changed my life. And um, I experienced peace and joy that I never had before. And uh, God did something in me and is continuing to do something uh, in me in these days, and I thank the Lord for that. Uh, Genesis chapter number 4 Uh, Beginning at verse number 1, I want us to read this uh, together. Uh, Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother and killed him. Uh, Tonight, let's pray and let's ask God to bless us. I've just titled these thoughts tonight, uh, God's Way is always the right way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. And God, I pray that we will learn lessons uh, from uh, the lives of uh, these two uh, young men, Cain and Abel. And God, that we would apply truth to our hearts. And uh, God, I love you. I thank you, God, for the work you're doing in my life. I thank you, God, for the growth and the encouragement that your word is to me. And God, I just pray tonight that you would have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, In the book of Genesis, we have been uh, building a biblical worldview. How many understand as Christians, we ought to have a worldview uh, that is designed and constructed by the Word of God. And uh, from the very beginning, we learned that God created all things, that He brought order to chaos, In this formless and void existence we read about, He brought order. He brought light to darkness. Uh, He's the creator of it all. He created man in His image and provided a helper for the man who would complete him. Her name was Eve because she was taken out of man. Therefore, she was also made in the image of God. And God brought her to Adam. And we saw the first uh, first marriage uh, in the Bible. 
And then we saw last week, Genesis 3, the, the tragic story of how sin entered the picture and marred and cursed uh, God's. God had to place a curse upon creation because of the choice that Adam and Eve made to sin rather than obey Him. And from Genesis 3 on, we see the tragic results of sin in the lives of people. When you get to Genesis chapter 4, what we've just read tonight, the first eight verses were introduced to Cain and Abel, uh, the first brothers in human history. Uh, Cain's name, if you uh, look into the Hebrew language, Cain's name strikingly is similar and sounds like the Hebrew word, which means acquired. Uh, no doubt Eve praised God uh, for his help through her first pregnancy, because when you think about this, she gave birth under the curse, and he said it's going to multiply your, your pain in childbirth. And, uh, boy, she didn't have the resources we have today, did she, for pain tolerance, but she had God. And God helped her through the process of her first pregnancy. Cain's name reminds us that life comes from God. She has a second boy, and his name is Abel. Abel's name means breath. Uh, and it's the word translated vanity at least 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And his name reminds us that life is brief. Life is brief. Shakespeare said this, All the world is a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They all have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. You know, Shakespeare in this uh, classic quote of his was right. We have many roles to play in life from time to time as we relate to various people and confront different circumstances. And in this chapter here in Genesis chapter 4, we see the roles that these uh, brothers play. Now listen very carefully. The important thing is to let God write the script, choose the cast, and direct the action. To let God have His way. This is what Abel did. If we disregard him and try to produce the drama ourselves, the story will have a tragic ending. This is what ruined Cain. Y'all have heard me say that rebellion always leads to ruin, and Genesis 4 is a perfect example of that. He was the first baby born in human history. He ignored God's script, and he did his own thing, and he made a mess out of his life. As you examine these two brothers, what I want to do tonight is I want to contrast the two. See, it's important for us to know God and to do what God says. And when we look into the Word of God, and I'm sure as you've lived life, man, I've done dumb things and rebelled against God and had to learn lessons the hard way. You learn, the older you get especially, that God's way is always the right way. Isn't that true? And that's kind of the theme here. God's way is always the right way. Way. I want you to notice several contrasts tonight. Number one, in Abel and Cain, we see compliance and comfort. Compliance and comfort. I want you to notice verses 2 through 4 again. It says this, Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. 
I want you to notice a couple of things as we read these two verses. I want you to see their, uh, we see their work. We see what they got involved in. No doubt as they, as they got older, Cain and Abel were taught by their dad, Adam, uh, to work. And like our kids, it become evident over the years that, that Cain and Abel had different interests. They may have had some similarities, but they had different interests and different skills and talents. Abel was a shepherd. One of the, he was first, the first shepherd uh, of many we know about in, in Scripture, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and all, all of Jacob's sons, Moses and David. Cain became a farmer. See, they learned from their dad that work was a part of their creating their creative existence. Uh, how many remember and understand that that work is not a part of the curse? Adam had a job to do before sin ever entered the picture. So their dad taught them to work. They were co-laborers with God because work's not a punishment. The biblical approach to work is that we are privileged to cooperate with God by using His creative gifts for the good of people and for the glory of God. And that's a great way to approach what we do in our work lives. Uh, Colossians 3, and 23 says this, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord." Uh, many of you know, before I became a pastor, I was with Chick-fil-A for about 12 years and was planning to pursue owning my own restaurant uh, because I enjoyed it. I was good at it. It was high energy. It was You were always busy. Uh, days, uh, there were some obviously stressful days um, and frustrating times. It can be a frustrating business uh, to work in. But I remember that my attitude toward work in the career industry with with Chick-fil-A, everything changed when I began to view work as a blessing. When I began to view my job as a blessing, despite all the frustrations and managing uh, you know, a staff of, of 70, 80 people and serving thousands of people every single week, dealing with all of the different personalities and attitudes and likes and, and dislikes, uh, I remember there was a guy to come in, we, you can never, ever get their stuff right. I mean, we would... We bend over, bow to them, and everything. You just could not get it, get it together. They just had to send it back, and you do it again. Um, but my everything in life changed for me regarding my career when I learned to be grateful for my work, and I began to see Chick Fil A even as a ministry. Hey, look, do you understand? Like all believers, no matter whether you're called to pastor or not, every every believer is called to ministry. Isn't that true? You have a wonderful opportunity every day of your life to minister and make a lasting impact in the lives of people. When my attitude changed about my career, uh, the next thing I knew, things started happening and doors started opening for me to do some really neat things within Chick-fil-A. In fact, I had parents bringing their children to me that worked for me for counseling I had married couples coming to me needing someone to encourage them and to help counsel them through some difficult seasons they were going through. Uh, people started kind of referring to me in a joking way as the pastor at Chick, as the pastor of Chick Fil A, you know, because of the things that that I would do. There was another gentleman named Mark. Uh, he's with the Lord now. He got leukemia a few years ago and died in his mid fifties. And a uh, good Christian, godly man, made a lasting impact in people's lives. Because of tragic circumstances, while he came to North Carolina, his ministry fell apart in the pastorate. 
uh, due to some 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 uh, infidelity or uh, infidelity uh, with his wife uh, and just some 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 awful things, awful things. But he saw his work as a ministry, and God used him to make an eternal difference in the lives of people. Allow your work to become a ministry because God created work, and work is a blessing. Work is a blessing. Look, the Bible has nothing good to say about idleness or laziness. It has nothing good to say about those who would rather just kind of chill out and let others take care of everything. Jesus labored. You realize that Jesus had a job? He labored as a carpenter before his earthly ministry began. You realize the apostle Paul worked as a tent maker during his ministry to provide for himself. As Christians, we don't work simply to pay bills or to make ends meet. We work because it's God's ordained way for us to serve Him and to serve other people for His glory. They work. Cain and Abel work. But don't you also notice their worship? Their worship. We see that we learn about their interest in the things they were doing, one a farmer, one a shepherd. And then we see in verse 3, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. You see, Adam and Eve learned to worship God, no doubt, in the wonderful days before the fall. Before the fall. And they taught their children, Cain and Abel, about the Lord and the importance of worshiping Him. I like what Warren Wiersbe said, Workers need to be worshipers or they may become idolaters focusing on the gifts and not the giver, and forgetting that God gives the power to work and to gain wealth. How many understand everything we have comes from God? And therefore, that is a a reminder every day, the blessings we enjoy, to worship Jesus because He's worthy. When God clothed Adam and Eve with the skins of animals, you know, we don't have the record, but maybe it was at that time that he taught them about sacrifices and the shedding of blood to cover sin. And they would have passed this truth along to their kids. And true worship is something that we have to learn from God himself. For he has, for, because God, is, he alone has the right to lay down the rules for approaching him and, and worshiping him and pleasing him in worship. In verse 3 it says, in the course of time, this literally means at the end of days. It seems to have been a specific time of year when sacrifices were offered. Perhaps it was a time that God, when He was teaching them about this, appointed for them to do this. But it appears, it's, it's evident, that, there's, that this is not the first time that sacrifices were made. The fact that both Cain and Abel offered sacrifices at the same time gives an indication that there were some conversations had and some teaching that went on in the home, maybe from their dad. Cain's offering was a produce offering. Now, I want you to notice something. He, uh, we say, well, Cain gave an offering. But I want you to notice that he gave some of his labor, some of his produce from the field. Now, I want to make this clear because we, if we're not careful, we get stuck on the offering that Cain offered and the offering Abel offered. Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering. His offering was rejected because of Cain. See, Cain's heart, it's apparent, wasn't right with God. So we have to always, sometimes we get wrapped up in the external symptoms 
rather than deal with the root of the problem. And the root of Cain's problem was his heart. Later on, we know that God would require offerings, the first fruits of harvest. But this wasn't the time and the place for that type of sacrifice. We see in verse 4, notice what it says. It says that Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offerings. Abel brought an animal or animals for sacrifice. And the fact that he brought the firstlings, it says, of his flock, so he gave to the Lord what was first and best, and the fact that he offered the fat would be an indication that he had slain the animal. And his sacrifice, we see, was acceptable to God. You know, I, I don't, my mind went to, as I was reading this and studying, I, I don't know how everyone would know that his offering was accepted or not, but we do remember times when God sent fire from heaven that consumed the sacrifice. Y'all remember those times found in Leviticus 9 and 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Chronicles 28. Maybe that's what took place. Maybe that's how they knew that Abel's sacrifice had been accepted. But Abel, by faith, was being compliant with what God wanted. Abel expressed faith in God and was right with God. In some way, God God had revealed to them. We know that we can read this. We're like, well, maybe God's not being fair here. You know, maybe he's not being fair with these two guys. But in some way, we know because our God is just and he's good, he had revealed to Cain and Abel uh, that a blood sacrifice is what he required. Romans 1.17, it says, For it is the righteousness of God, it is revealed from faith to faith. Because it's written, the just will live by faith. It was the shedding of the blood of innocent animals that had covered Adam and Eve. God clothed them in animal skins. It was the appropriate Uh, sacrifice for them. It was the shedding of the blood of animals that were required to cover the sins in the Old Testament. Isn't that true? Ultimately, it was the shedding of the blood of the innocent Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that atoned for all of our sins. Isn't that true? Hebrews 9 says, And according to the law, one may almost say, All things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of, of sin or forgiveness of sin. By faith, Abel was being compliant. Now listen to me. Cain, we notice he brought some. Abel was being compliant with what God had required, and Cain brought what was comfortable. He brought what was comfortable, what was easy. And today, the process is no different to be right with God. By faith, a true Christian has to come by God's way. Isn't that just true? we got to come God's way, and we have to comply with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, for by grace you've been saved. Y'all help me out. Through, through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. That's the way of faith. Abel, by faith, pleased God, and God accepted his offering. I want you to notice the second thing tonight. In Abel and Cain, we also see not only compliant and comfortable, but we see committed and casual, committed and casual. Look at the last part of verse 4. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offerings, but for Cain and for his offerings, first part of verse 5, he had no regard. 
Another word we could use instead of committed is, is consecration or devotion. Dedicating to the service or worship of God. Dedication to the service or worship of God. By giving the first and the fat of the flock, Abel was bringing the best to God. How many understand, doesn't God deserve our best? I mean, He deserves it. I mean, it's, it should be something that we are just longing to do is to give God the best of what we have. Uh, the first of what, we, of what we have. Cain gave some, not his first or his best. And again, in this, we see the condition of the heart. Abel was right with God by faith. Cain's heart was far from God. See, it's when we are people of faith that we, like Abel, we give our best. A good indication I'm walking in harmony with God is revealed often, and am I giving Him the best? Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to, prevent, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, the way that verse ends, it, it just makes sense for the believer to give God uh, their best, be a living sacrifice. The difference between the Old Testament sacrifice and the New Testament sacrifice is the New Testament sacrifice is to be a living sacrifice. Sacrifices in the Old Testament had to die. We are to live sacrificially for God. Look, if we're committed to God, we want Him to have what is best. We want Him to have the best of our time. We want Him to have the best of our talents, the best of our thoughts, uh, the best of our treasures. Uh, committed means this. It means bound or obligated by a pledge or assurance. Here's what casual means. Happening by chance, without definite or serious intention, occasional or infrequent. Two definitions to see where am I at in that? You know, as we look at this contrast, am I committed or am I being casual? We know Abel was committed. We know Cain was casual. And I want you to notice number three tonight. In Abel and Cain, we see confident and contentious. Confident and contentious. Notice beginning at verse 4, Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of the flock and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord God said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desires for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Would you agree tonight that it's obvious by the actions of Abel in our text that his confidence was in God? His trust was in the Lord. He had undoubtedly been told of the promise of a redeemer by his parents. His actions show that he was trusting what God had promised by bringing the offering that he did. It's highly possible. Now think about this. It's highly possible because Abel dies in our text. It's highly possible that he was the first resident of heaven. He was the first one to enter glory. But it, 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 it makes sense for us to be sure that our confidence looking at this story is always in the God that we claim, claim to know, love, and serve. Hey, look, isn't God trustworthy in our lives? Isn't He dependable? He's always there with us. He's present. He, he meets our needs. He provides. If we really think that, look, all of us are here tonight by the blessing and gift of God. 
because He gave us the ability to be here, and He is deserving of our confidence. It's always in Him. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We see in verses 5 through 7 that Cain was angry. Cain got upset and resentful. In fact, the Hebrew here suggests he was burning with anger. Burning with anger. God hadn't accepted his offering. But I want you to notice, did y'all notice that God spoke to him personally? God spoke to him personally and tried, now look at this, tried to lead Cain back to the way of faith. But Cain resisted. Now, doesn't that just show you how merciful and gracious God is? Because it's just like our God to give another opportunity, to give another chance here. But how sad that Cain has this conversation with God and he still resists God, now for those of us that talk to people about faith and we try to lead people into faith and they're resistant to the faith, look, look, it may not, it's not, sometimes I guess it could be us of why they're resistant. But listen, God was resisted here in his witness with Cain, trying to get him back to the faith. He resisted God in this conversation. Now it's like God to give us another chance, but man, it's like stubborn sinners to resist his gracious help to think we know better. God also warned Cain that he needed to be careful. Notice verse 7. He said, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desires for you, but you must master it. You see the warning that God gives Cain here. He tells Cain, he's like, Look, sin... It's like a fierce beast that's crouching at your door. It's crouching at the door of your life, and you better not open that door, Cain. Don't open that door. It's dangerous to carry grudges, to harbor bitter feelings in our hearts. Listen, because all of this can be used by Satan to lead us into temptation and sin. Isn't that true? All of that Satan likes to stir in our lives to lead us to open that door where sin's just crouching and lurking and waiting to devour us. You see, this is what Paul meant when he wrote Ephesians 4.27, when he said, neither give place to the devil. Do not give the devil an opportunity to bring sin into your life. Look, if we aren't careful, we can tempt ourselves and bring about our own ruin. Isn't that true? If we're not careful, we bring it about. I want you to notice verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother... And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Cain was angry with God, but he was also angry with Abel. He resisted God's warning. He resisted God trying to get him back on the path of living by faith. And he committed the unthinkable. He was resentful toward Abel because what he did was accepted by God, and what he did was not accepted. Look, it's true from the very beginning that righteous people have always been persecuted by the unrighteous. Abel suffered at the hands of his own flesh and blood, of unrighteous Cain, his own brother. Do you agree that sin has devastating consequences when it gets a hold of somebody's life? 
What are some lessons we learn from Cain and Abel from this text in Genesis 4? We learn that it's dangerous to rebel against God and to do things your own way. It's rebellious to rebel against God and do things your own way. Look, Solomon was another example of this. who knew all too well uh, what it was like to rebel against God. And this is what he said. He said, watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the springs of life. From a man who had been there, had done that. See, the issue was Cain's heart. Now, after this, I want to encourage you to read the rest of Genesis 4. Because after all of this happens and Cain murders his brother, Cain lived a life of wandering, worldly success, and regret. In his mercy, God put a mark on Cain that no one would kill him. But Cain's family was a mess of ungodliness. Cain built a a city after his first son, Enoch. and, and, And don't get that Enoch confused with the Enoch that went to heaven early because they're they're two different individuals. Lamech was the great-great-great-grandson of Cain, and he was the first bigamist. He was an arrogant man and a killer. Hey, look, God meant when he said when sin was handed down from generation to generation, didn't he? He had three sons, Jubal, who took care of livestock, Jabal, the making and playing of musical instruments, and Tubal Cain, who invented metalwork. Look, the city that Cain built at his time was rich in culture as well as industry and food production. Listen to me. The city Cain built had everything but God. And how many understand when you don't have God, you have nothing. They had everything but God. What a sad existence. You see, God blessed Adam and Eve with Seth to replace Abel, who was murdered. God in his goodness gives them another son and Seth honored God with his life. Cain's family tree ends with Lamech, this arrogant murderer whose three sons manufactured the things of this world. Seth line ends with Noah, whose three sons gave the world a new beginning after the flood. One commentator said, the world of that day probably admired Cain's achievements. God wiped them off the face of the earth. So the lesson is, it's dangerous to rebel against God and do things our own way. It leads to a sad existence, not just for us, but our family that follows after us. Would you all agree that's an important lesson to learn? And then here's a great lesson that we learn from Abel. When we live by faith, now think about this, when we live by faith, Our life is blessed, and our future is secure. Isn't that awesome? When we live by faith, our life is blessed, and our future is secure. Now, think with me just a second. Living by faith does not mean that my life is going to be free of enemies. It doesn't mean it's going to be free of pain or heartache or depression, discouragement, or death. Abel's own brother was his enemy, and he certainly experienced pain as his brother slew him. Abel died an early death as a young man. However, Abel's life was honored by God, and Abel's in heaven today. As I read this, he's going to be another interesting person to talk to in heaven one day. 
No matter who rises up against those living by faith, God will honor, protect, and reward the faithful. Look, Hebrews 11.4. This is all we have. This is the, the most exhaustive picture we have of Abel in the Bible that we've read tonight. But when you go to the New Testament, go to Hebrews 11.4. What is Hebrews 11 known as? The Hall of Faith. And how many of you understand it's much better to be in the Hall of Faith than the Hall of Fame? Somebody say amen. Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. See, when we live by faith, it doesn't guarantee a long life. But when we live by faith and we trust God, our life after we are gone, after we're in heaven, God still uses it for His glory to impact people in this life as our legacy of faith lives on. How many understand the greatest legacy you live or you leave is your legacy of faith? Y'all do me a favor. Y'all be sure every person in your family that you're close to knows your testimony. Be sure they know your testimony of faith in Jesus. You know, they may know you're a Christian, they may know that you, that you live for Jesus, but let them know about when you gave your life to Christ and allow God to impact them. I'm thankful for my mom and my dad that often would talk about when they gave their life to Jesus. I still remember my dad. I, I, we, we all, all five of us can about quote my dad's testimony verbatim because dad shared it everywhere he went when he talked to people about Jesus. So be sure your family, your kids know your testimony. Look, by faith. Abel is with the Lord. By faith, God honored his life. May God help everyone here tonight to live by faith. How many agree that God's way is always the right way? Let's stand together tonight and let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray you would strengthen us, empower us, and help us tonight to walk by faith. God, there's a lot for every person in this room. There's a lot for in this life that pulls at us, that wants to pull us away. And God, I pray you would help us to be wise. Lord, to be aware, to, Lord, to be in your word that guides us, strengthens us, gives us hope. And Lord, help us to be like Abel. God, because truly your way is always the right way. Lord, help us to be obedient. Lord, help us to lead someone to faith in Christ. Lord, we can't make them choose Jesus, but, Lord, we certainly can lead them to Jesus. We certainly can introduce them. So, Lord, help us introduce them to Christ. And, Lord, use our lives for your glory to impact eternity. God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for the encouragement that you give us each day. God, I thank you for each one here tonight. We love you this evening. I'm going to ask uh, tonight, Brother Eric, if you would, to close us in prayer.